The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this is the last of a seven-week series on supports for mindfulness. And during this series, I've been talking about what, what can support our mindfulness practice. What types of things can make it easier, make it more fruitful, whatever that means. Or just sometimes make it easier to get to the cushion. Or even maybe even to forget about the cushion and to practice in daily life. So today I'd like to introduce um, yet one more support for mindfulness practice, a new topic. And that is, I can introduce a, a practice, a mental state, a state, an emotional state that often we don't talk about here at the center so much, or that we don't, or maybe we feel a little bit uncomfortable about. Or maybe you feel perfectly fine and you think it's about time somebody talked about this. There can be a whole range of kind of uh, reactions to this. And the word that I'm going to use is faith. How can we use faith to support our mindfulness practice? And so what does that mean? What does this mean, faith? This word um, that certainly was in the um, ancient scriptures gets often translated as confidence or conviction or trust. Because so often the faith, like um, here in the West, is so often associated with religion. You could ask somebody, well, what is your faith? And they would understand it, that they would respond with uh, what particular religion they practiced or followed. So faith, often in the kind of, uh, contemporary West, has this relationship with religion. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. So I like the word faith because it can um, convey two different types of meanings. One is more of a cognitive intellectual understanding. There's more of a mental aspect. And that is faith as provisional knowledge. That is, that, well, I think this is true. I have some idea that it's true. Maybe I have some data, some experience, something. So faith has two aspects. One is this intellectual, cognitive, mental aspect. And I called it like provisional knowledge. So this like a willingness to accept on trust certain propositions that at that time we cannot experience for ourselves to verify that they're true, but we have every reason to believe that they're true or we don't have any reason to believe that they're not true. So this it's not uh, asking us to believe something where all our experiences otherwise or all the, uh, I keep on using this word data, uh, everything that we know about it is different. Kind of faith is like, well, I don't see why not to believe this. I don't have the direct experience. I don't actually know it. But I think quarks exist. Everybody's talking about them. I don't know. Right? Nor will I know, see, or experience. I'm not a physicist. So this idea of kind of this provisional knowledge that, okay, I have some knowledge and it's enough for me to believe that something else is true. We don't have proof necessarily, but it seems perfectly reasonable. So this type of faith could be more like we have a belief that, a belief that something is true. So maybe a belief that mindfulness practice is beneficial. A belief that mindfulness practice is a good use of our time and our energy. A belief that it will make a difference if we do mindfulness practice. A belief that although it may be uncomfortable and or confusing at this moment, at this very moment, it won't always be this way. 
It won't always be this way. There might also be a belief that that this uh, I can understand better, or this provisional knowledge that I'm experiencing right now, or have right now, can maybe be turned into direct experience, into some um, proof, quote-unquote. So we do this all the time, right? We have this kind of faith. I'm going to follow the instructions of the swim instructor because I have faith that this person is going to help me swim so that I don't drown in the water. Seems like a reasonable person. I've seen other instructors work. Or other instructors uh, teach swimming and people learn to swim. So that's one aspect of faith. It's kind of like this idea of its provisional knowledge. I don't know yet. I don't actually have that experience, but I have reason to believe that it's true. The other part of faith is more emotional or heartfelt. That is, it might be a feeling. It's definitely more of a feeling. It might be of some serenity. Maybe some confidence. Some maybe coupled with a little the flavor of devotion, commitment, a little bit of love, reverence. Maybe some hope. So this type of faith is definitely more emotional and warm and. And this is more belief in, as opposed to belief that, which is kind of the intellectual side. Belief in. We might have a belief in goodness. Goodness exists. But people can be good. We have a belief in wholesomeness or... You know, I like this word goodness. It's kind of vague and... But we have a we kind of recognize it when we feel it, and sometimes we feel, may feel um, touched by it. I have a belief that I want my direct the life I want the direction of my life to go towards more and more goodness for myself and for others. There can also be a belief in reality, this moment here, what's actually happening, this belief in it's worthwhile being in touch with reality. This belief in there's value in knowing the reality of the present moment, the value of the direct experience, the value of not turning away. We might have a feeling of being with experiences that are uncomfortable, but once we... Um, experience, be with them, then there may be a certain kind of like softening of the heart and like recognition like, oh yes, this is the direction. Maybe linked to goodness. Faith can also be a belief in ourselves. Belief that We don't have to give up on the future version of ourselves. We don't have to abandon ourselves. We're worthwhile sticking around for and paying attention to what's actually happening so that we can take care and respond to what's happening. And not give up on a healthier, happier, more peaceful version of ourselves, but a belief in it is possible things to be different and we can affect our lives. And a belief that no matter how many times we, I'll use this word, fall, that we, uh, that we can get back up. So whether that's like the, with mindfulness practice, no matter how many times we come off of the object, that we can just very simply get back, bring our awareness back to the object. Or however many times we completely abandon our meditation practice, we go one week, one month, one year, one decade without practicing. 
this belief in like, okay, I can always just begin again. I can begin again. And sometimes this belief in ourselves is of, comes in the way of surrounding ourselves with things and people that support us, that also believe in us. Maybe we borrow their faith in us. Maybe we borrow their belief in us. So in these two ways, faith, both with kind of the intellectual, cognitive side, and with emotional, maybe more warm, devotional side, can really support our meditation practice, our mindfulness practice, to help remind us why we are practicing, what's possible, is possible to overcome obstacles to meditation practice, it is possible to have more and more freedom, is possible to have more and more peace, is possible to have more and more well-being. So one thing that I appreciate in the uh, Buddhist tradition, many of you may know that there's lots and lots of lists, Four Noble Truths, Five Faculties, Eightfold Path, Twelve Steps of Dependent Origination. I don't know, I could come up with all three characteristics, all kinds of these numbers, numbered lists, right? And faith is in actually a number of lists. Some of them we don't, um, are kind of more obscure. But faith is in some lists that have five elements, some that have seven, and some that have ten. One thing that I really appreciate is that faith, and maybe I'll back up and say this, often these these lists, there's a specific sequence in which they're given Four Noble Truths, there's usually the first one is this, the second one is that, and the third one is this, right? They're usually in a particular order. Seven Factors of Awakening, Nikki Mercafori is going to start talking about that on uh, tomorrow, is, um, you know, given in a specific sequence. So faith is in a number of lists. It's always first. It's where you begin. It's not where you end. Faith is just kind of this help to do the practice, to help to do the work or to do what needs to be done. It isn't sufficient by itself either. This practice is not about faith. It's not about just cultivating faith and that's good enough. It's just something where we start. We don't know. We don't necessarily have lots of experience about some of the benefits. Chances are you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some experience. But perhaps you have confidence, you have faith that even more benefits can arise. And it's true. It is true. So with all these lists, many of them, the last element... If faith is the first, the one that's at the last is wisdom. So in this way, faith as like provisional knowledge gets transformed into true knowledge with practice. That's the direction we're going. The direction is to learn more and more, to have more experiences, to gain more and more confidence, maybe even gain some conviction. So we're not having faith just to have faith. We're having faith to support our practice and to help us to gain wisdom. And of course, wisdom helps us to live a good life, take care of ourselves, take care of others, and to find our way with difficulties and to be able to experience more and more freedom and peace and ease. So in this, um, these different aspects of faith um, get expressed in kind of the early Buddhist literature. Is sometimes faith in these lists is defined as faith in the enlightenment of the Buddha. Faith in the enlightenment of the Buddha. Some people translate it in the Buddha's enlightenment. 
But I like this because there's different ways we can understand this. Faith in the enlightenment of the Buddha. One way is like faith that enlightenment is possible. That this radical freedom, radical ease is possible. Enlightenment does exist. And then there's this person that people call the Buddha that had this experience. But maybe our faith is more that enlightenment is possible and exists. Maybe that's more the intellectual side. But there's also we could interpret that oh, there's this person that we call the Buddha who was an amazing, inspiring, magnificent person. And he had this attainment, this accomplishment, this experience. And he taught about it. He devoted his life. He spent 45 years of his life teaching. Maybe we feel some devotion. Maybe we feel some respect. Maybe we feel a bit of awe. Maybe we feel inspired. Maybe we feel nothing, too. There's room for both. There's room for this devotional side, and there's room for an intellectual side. Many of us have preferences. We tend to lean towards one or the other. But both both uh, ways, kind of more devotional, emotional, and more intellectual, mental, they both can support us and lead us to freedom. Again, in the um, early uh, Buddhist literature, they, have, uh, they make a distinction between faith followers, and they call them dhamma followers. Those, depending on what uh, the dominant faculty, that is, you have uh, qualities, whatever your dominant quality is. More of an intellectual side is a dhamma follower. More of the heartfelt faith uh, side is a faith follower. So even thousands of years ago was this recognition that different people have a different way to um, practice and a different um, way that they work with the material or their experiences. Okay. So if faith is something that can really support our practice, our mindfulness practice, how do we cultivate it? Is it something that you just have, or can you cultivate it? You can cultivate it. So to cultivate kind of more the cognitive side of faith, it's just to accumulate experiences. Have some experiences with meditation. Notice, learn things with meditation. Right? This will happen whether you are... Um, intentionally doing or not, but you can maybe think, uh, um, consider your experiences. Like, what am I learning here from what's happening? Whether it matches your preferences, whether it's unfolding the way that you wanted it to, whether it's um, exactly what you were expecting. You can just like, oh, okay. So sometimes meditation is like this. Sometimes it's like that. But we can keep on coming back to the immediate experience, to the reality of what's actually happening. And mindfulness practice is this, right? Coming back to here and now. And with, uh, as we kind of accumulate experiences, we, hopefully some of those experiences will see the benefit. Oh yeah, it's a little bit easier when I'm actually here with what's happening as opposed to lost in my thoughts that are spinning out of control and causing me lots of anxiety or I'm creating these scenarios that may or may not actually be true. So this practice doesn't ask us to have some unverifiable beliefs, but it does ask us to do a little bit of work in order to verify the beliefs. It does ask us to meditate. And if you're not going to be in a formal uh, meditation posture and do this. It's asking us to pay attention. Pay attention to our lives. Pay attention to our experience. Pay attention to the reality of this moment. The second thing we can do to cultivate kind of the intellectual side of faith is to investigate. That is... When you find yourself confused, hesitant, 
filled with doubt. I don't know about this. Am I doing this right? Is this the right practice? Maybe I should be doing something else. This doesn't quite seem right. I don't know if that teacher knows what they're talking about. We could just be filled with doubt. Like, I just don't know. Investigate. Ask some questions. Ask a teacher a question. Ask your friends a question. Read Dharma books. Listen to Dharma talks. You know, kind of like... um, Often when we have doubt or we're unsure, if we start to hesitate and we kind of like get frozen and don't do anything. Instead here the encouragement is to roll up your sleeves a little bit and like, okay, well what is is going on here? What what am I unsure about? Is it, am I unsure about my capacity? Am I unsure about whether or not this path or this practice is actually helpful? If you can identify what it is that you're a little bit unsure about, then you can investigate and ask questions or find resources. Go on the internet, find things. And somehow investigating can help us with faith too. Like, oh, okay, I wasn't sure about this. Now I see that. Now I'm unsure about this other thing. But it's not asking us just to believe. It's asking us to find out for ourselves to come and see. So ways that we can cultivate more the emotional or heartfelt side of faith is to, in a way that makes sense to you, develop a list of who or what inspires you. What do you believe in? What's meaningful for you? I'll say that for me, uh, something that's really had a big impact on me, really big impact, was um, Mahatma Gandhi's I'd be the change he wished to see in the world. It used to be, you know, years ago, it was just some kind of big idea. But, you know, slowly, kind of like over the years, I feel like I'm more and more, this has kind of directed me and kind of helped guide me. So maybe you have something in your life, an aspiration, and it's meaningful, something that guides you, maybe a North Star. Might be a saying, it might be a person. Maybe you know somebody or know of somebody whom you admire, a practitioner who is done mindfulness practice and you see the benefits that they have had. You see the, when you hear them talk, they talk about their mindfulness practice and they talk about the benefits. So maybe they even say it explicitly or maybe you see it in them. That can also be, kind of help us with the kind of more the emotional side of faith. And some people with their meditation practice, like to have a little ritual. That it can be very simple as um, I put my cushion in a particular place and I turn off my phone and I turn um, get this particular shawl or whatever it might be. It might be lighting a candle. Maybe you have an altar where things that inspire you, that motivate you, pictures of individuals things that are meaningful for you. I have, um, I I probably wouldn't call it an altar, but probably it is one, where I have a little piece of driftwood sitting there that when I was at the beach one time, and it was kind of a meaningful time for me, just pick up this little piece of, Wood, very small, but it's you know kind of meaningful for me. Like this is, and um, sometimes you might see people have red string around their wrists. Sometimes we do this on meditation retreats. For me, if uh, I'm on a retreat that has that, um, sometimes I take them off and I put them in a place. So I have this little pile of red string. It's meaningful for me. It doesn't have to be anything in particular. 
just a place that kind of where you that can be a symbol of what's meaningful for you. And then the last thing that I'll say about ways to cultivate the heartfelt side of faith is to develop friendships with other meditators or other people who practice. If you can, maybe our lives are such a way that we don't have the opportunity necessarily to interact with other meditators. But as I mentioned earlier, sometimes we can borrow their faith. We can borrow their faith in us or faith in the practice or be inspired by them. They are experiencing what they're doing. So in this way, faith, we could use these words confidence maybe, maybe that's a better word, can be a support for our mindfulness practice. We're not asking you to have uh, to um, hold unverifiable beliefs. We're not asking you to have unquestioning stance. Instead, we're asking the opposite. For you to what's meaningful for you? What motivates you? What is your why? Why are you doing this practice? So, with that as an introduction, I'll lead us on a guided meditation. And how I'm going to do this meditation is I'll spend a little bit of time kind of um, helping us to get settled and we'll do some mindfulness. And then I'm going to drop in some reflective questions that you can just, you don't have to like try to find the answers. It's more like you just drop in the question and then just let go. And maybe something bubbles up. Maybe there's something that becomes clear, maybe not. So it's not of trying to dig and find an answer. It's more just allow whatever is going to arise to arise. Okay. So we'll take an alert, upright posture, a posture that expresses your intention to pay attention and is relaxed, but also has some uprightness, dignity, a little bit of energy, but not too much energy. And then let's begin with three long, slow, deep breaths. use the long breaths as just a way to connect with the body. Sometimes exaggerating the breaths can be easier to connect and sink in. So now you can allow the breath to return to normal. And we'll just do a little scan of the body to see if there are some obvious places of tension that can be softened or let go. We're not trying to force ourselves to be relaxed. We're not trying to make relaxation happen. We're more just gently inquiring and allowing any softening to happen. You might check in with the eyes. the jaw, the neck, and the shoulders. So often we hold tension in our shoulders. See if you can allow the shoulder blades to slide down the back. You can check in with the back. and the chest, and the belly, 
Feel yourself being supported, the pressure of the chair or the cushion against your body. You're here, here, now. The legs and the feet. Arms and the hands. Just resting our awareness there and just seeing if there can be just a little bit of softening or letting go. If not, that's okay too. That's okay. And then we'll bring our attention to the sensations of breathing. That is the movement of the abdomen or the movement of the chest or maybe the feeling of the air going in and out of the nose. You can just choose one of those three, whichever is the most vivid, which is the most accessible, whichever is the easiest. Just very simply rest your attention there. When you find yourself lost in thought, you don't have to make it be a problem. Just very simply, gently, bring your awareness back to the sensations of breathing. We can always begin again. See if you can feel from the inside the sensations of breathing. We're not thinking about it so much as inhabiting the sensations, the feelings, experience of breathing. Right now, there's nowhere else to be and nothing else to do. Just here, now. See if you can give yourself over to the sensations of breathing. 
in a relaxed way, in a soft way, without trying to force it to happen. And yet, with some energy and intention. What does it feel like to have an in-breath? The beginning, the middle, the end of an in-breath. If you like, you can open up the mindfulness to include sensations in the body. If they feel compelling, there's no need to struggle. You can just very gently let go of paying attention to the sensations of breathing. And instead, pay attention to the sensation in your body back, whatever it might be. And when that is no longer compelling, just very simply, gently come back to the sensations of breathing. If you like, you can also open up your awareness to include sounds. Just to notice the sounds in the room, the sound of my voice, the sound of the traffic outside. You don't have to do anything with the sounds, just notice. In this way, we can use the sensations of breathing as an anchor, as a refuge. Sometimes move our awareness to sensations in the body or perhaps to sounds in a relaxed manner. Whatever feels compelling. So now I'd like to drop in a reflective question. You can just allow this question to 
sink in and just open up and see if an answer arises without trying to make an answer or find an answer. So the question is, why? Why are you doing mindfulness practice? What's the reason for you to do this practice? Perhaps there was a reason in the beginning when you started to practice. Does that still make sense for you? Is it still alive, still meaningful? inspires you is what do you find inspirational It might even, who do you find inspirational? Maybe that's meaningful for you. And then here's the last reflective question. At this moment, what is the most real thing that you know? What's the most real experience? What's, what's most real at this moment? What do you know? What do you know at this moment?
So, of course, you can go back to just regular mindfulness practice in a way that feels supportive. Using the breath as an anchor, or perhaps working with sounds or sensations in the body. And I'm going to be silent for the rest of this meditation period. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. So one way that we can support our mindfulness practice is to feel connected or reacquaint ourselves or maybe even discover. What what do we have a belief that mindfulness practice will do something for us, will have benefit us in a particular way, reason why we're practicing? To get connected with this and a belief that, although sometimes it may be uncomfortable and the last thing we want to do is meditate, that somehow it will be supportive and help us have our life go in a direction that we want to go. Or maybe we have a belief in, belief in our own goodness and the goodness of others, and that mindfulness practice is a way in which we can tap into and cultivate or discover that goodness. Maybe we have a belief in the power of just being with the reality of this moment. To stop wrestling with it, to stop pretending like it's different, to stop turning away we have this belief in, even though it's maybe uncomfortable and not what we wish, but to be with what's actually happening. Not our ideas about it or what we think should happen, but the reality of the moment. Maybe we have a belief in that, the power of being with reality. Or maybe we believe in ourselves and that we have great capacities that perhaps aren't being fully expressed or we find that's with some mindfulness practice helps us find some calm or some ease or some settledness that allows us to tap into and discover and express some aspects of ourselves. And that we're worth taking care of we are worth paying attention to. So in this way, faith, but maybe it's, we could call it confidence or trust, can support our meditation practice. Maybe it's more of an intellectual side or maybe there is a touch or a feeling or maybe it's primarily a devotional, heartfelt belief that this is this is the right direction. Maybe it's not even we're not even sure how we know that. We just have this sense. Maybe it's an intuitive sense. Maybe it's just an idea that this is the direction for greater and greater peace, greater and greater ease, greater and greater freedom. So I think with that, I'll open it up for some questions or comments. Maybe comment or share what was that like to have these reflective questions dropped in? Was that, did you, did you find that things bubbled up? 
Or maybe nothing happened. That's okay too. Or maybe you have some questions more generally about mindfulness practice and ways that we can support it and perhaps integrate it into our lives. I would like to use the microphone so that everyone can hear. With the three questions, um, the first one I didn't have much problem with, but the second, the next to the inspiration and the real, I actually, as I'm speaking right now, I actually see a connection between those two questions. The question of what's real, I'm like, I really don't know what's real. I didn't quite know how to answer this question because, as I said, I'm like, I don't know what's real. Um, there are lights on here. I guess that's kind of real. And I'm physically at IMC. That's real. Beyond that, I have no idea what else is real. And that's connected. So inspiration question was before that. And I was kind of saddened and concerned to realize that I have no inspiration. There is no inspiration for me. I thought about it's like, is there someone who inspires me? What inspires me? I'm like, my mind went blank. I couldn't think of an answer. And I'm like, no one inspires me. Why is that? It's like, I noticed cynicism about at least my circle of people out there outside of IMC. It's like, I am very hard-pressed to think of anyone that I know personally. If I don't know them personally, if they're way out there or some celebrity, I don't know them. It's not real. It's just an image. To be inspired, I have to know close, real, not a celebrity. And I couldn't think of anyone. I, the thought that crossed my mind is all I see out there is chasing money, chasing status, struggling to survive, and maybe at best, if they are not struggling to survive, if they have an okay life, then it's more about people who are more concerned about sounding good and looking good as opposed to really doing good. So I had a lot of trouble with the inspiration question. And now I'm seeing it's tied to the real question because I don't know what's real out there. For me to be inspired by something, I have to feel like it's real. And I don't know what's real. So maybe if someone, I find someone that doesn't resonate with you, you can't find it. Instead, you find yourself feeling the opposite of inspired. Maybe there's something, some idea some concept, I feel inspired that it is possible to have more freedom. I'm just making this up. Is there an idea for you that what is inspiring for you? Do you have a a North Star or something that, an aspiration for you, for your life, for how to be in the world? answer that would be a long answer because I think there is a perfectionist in me that, and that perfectionist would come up with a long list of that's what would inspire me I think this is a great thing to just think about I, maybe there's small things that are inspiring maybe there's somebody you notice that uh, treats others with kindness and respect Maybe there's somebody who does their job well. Maybe there's somebody who has persistence. So maybe it doesn't mean they're a perfect person. Maybe they just have a quality that from your vantage point, you don't know all of them, right? Maybe from your vantage point, there's something that's inspiring. Maybe there's something about you. Maybe that you've overcome some difficulty or maybe your life is in a different place than it used to be or something like this. But it can be really valuable to kind of, what is important? 
What is inspiring? I think I know very well what's important to me. I guess I'm just not seeing it out there. I'm not. And I'm kind of saddened by that. I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. Mm. And, uh, and again, I see it very much tied to the realness too because I don't know what's real out there. I really don't. Because I've had too many experiences of thinking something or somebody was real turning out not to be real. And we all have those experiences. This is how it works, right? That we have ideas and stories about people. This is why I didn't use the word true. Like, how do we know what's true? But how do we know what's real? Like, there's a difference, right? Kind of like what you talked about, the lights and being here. This is what we know. This is what we know. And mindfulness practice is a way to kind of bring us back to this is what we no, this is what's real. And all our ideas about other people, about ourselves, are ideas. Yes. Sometimes they're accurate, sometimes they're not, and sometimes we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's worthwhile to kind of, you know, yeah, uh, you said that you know that's what's important. Maybe then that's some language that you can use to, like, what is important? What's meaningful? As a way to kind of tap in and feel uh supported or know what direction to go or something. Maybe to connect with that. Thank you. You're welcome. Does anybody else have a comment? I had almost exactly the opposite reaction. That um, Part of my inspiration, I think the major part of my inspiration is small things. It's, I am literally excited because Lewis saw all a bunch of whales this, this. I've thought about it. You know, it's like, whoa, whales. It's like whales exist. We can go to the ocean right now and see whales. Yay. And there's just something innately wonderful about that. And connecting. And it's like, I know somebody who actually spied the whales. You know, it's like those sort of little things that happen, you know, those little openings. It's like I got a traffic ticket yesterday for parking my car in the wrong place. I did not get one today. It was like I, I, I kept on looking at it, my car. It's like there's, okay, I'm okay here. I'm okay here. Like this, but it's like, oh. So there's this this respite, and it's sort of all the filter that you happen to have on your head sometimes that what brings inspiration to you. And um, I'm happening to experience the little delight version. That's nice. That's very sweet, Maureen. Kind of the sympathetic joy, right? When somebody else has a good experience to kind of yourself to have that experience too. It's quite something. Getting back to the kind of this real versus true idea is to kind of often, if we stick with what's real, it is these types of experiences, not getting parking tickets. (laughs) And uh, knowing somebody that had a good feeling from seeing these beautiful creatures that we share the planet with. I think that's great. Thank you, Maureen. I also had a nature image come to me for inspiration. So I just kind of put myself in Yosemite Valley and was just like in awe, you know, just being in nature Mm. or in the redwoods or something that feels like a cathedral that is natural, that wonder, sense of wonder. Mm. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'll say for me personally, I don't know what it is about redwood trees, but they are, they have this majesty about them, this grace about them. I just love redwood trees. Hmm. So the the last question about being, uh, what, what was real, I, I kind of went inward and 
thought how I was feeling, and it was calm and way different than when I walked in the door, and I was just like, this is real, and this is my minutes in the IMC and how I'm feeling right now. So that's, I went that direction. Um, and then with the inspirational, or who do I find inspirational, or what, I thought of like a few people just popped up, and just like what, what they do, um, they're just... Um, good business people or they're kind or they're funny and I just thought of some things like that because those kind of characteristics in people are what's not just real but inspiring and I, one thing that you started talking about is I didn't really think of myself like have I come a long way in some area but I mean I could go there but I was just a few people popped up and I didn't want to hang on to it because we were just supposed to let it drop in nice nice So maybe we'll end here. Just want to thank you all for those who have been coming to this series on uh, supports for mindfulness. It's been a pleasure for me to kind of be exploring this and uh, sharing it and practicing with you all. It's been really great. And I wish you all kind of an evening where you can find something meaningful, Maybe a little bit of awe. Maybe you'll see the moon or the stars or maybe somebody will come to mind or whatever it might be that kind of touches you. So thank you.